で、マンホールの吉殺しも一緒に報告したらどうなんです。私のではもう弾けに行ってます。壁の方に寄ってもらいましょうか。流れ果てない旅に出て。いつかは全て東京の。壁出んの私の孫です。終わって出しちゃって
Um, that that trailer made about as much sense as the movie did, I think. Um, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Movie Night Extravaganza, episode 87. We're talking about uh, Seijin Suzuki's Tokyo Drifter, 1966, uh, part of our long list of uh, noir movies this month. This is the only um, Japanese uh, neo-noir and, and kind of our first entry into neo-noir, I think, instead of um, just like this, you know, the straight kind of first phase of the noir genre. But uh, I'm Forrest Miller, and I'm going to introduce the panel right now. Uh, I don't, I don't quite know who this guy with glasses is over here. Andy, uh, Andy, is that you? Yes, Mochi Mochi. Um, it, it is indeed. I mean, what are you like, my Lois Lane to, to my Clark Kent now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take take the glasses off. I was like, oh, it was Andy. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I wanted to make a glasses joke before you could. <laughs> of some kind. I Good job. To to Good that. job. But yeah. it's nice to actually see everybody uh, for, for a time. And audience, I can see you. <laughs> All right. We got Conan Neutron, uh, Protonic Reversal host, Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Um, you know, Movie Night Extravaganza co-host, but you already know that because you're watching right now. How's it going? <laughs> of all the things I mentioned, that's what you made sure to get in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not his new album, Dangerous Nomenclature. Now, no, I, I mentioned I that. The show. <laughs> Just mentioned the show he's already on. Yeah, yeah. Protonic <laughs> Reversal, Come to Neutral, The Secret Friends, Catterwall, uh, Future Replacement for James Gordon, you know, all the things, all the things. It would be so funny if we actually like manifested it. I'd love it. Uh, I think you mean awesome. Yeah, both. <laughs> and uh, joining us from Twitch right now, um, Christina Oaks. I'm Christina on Twitch. Just rated in here. Yes, I'm tired. I've been up since like five o'clock, and I did twelve hours. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck anyone can sit there and stream for twelve hours, but you know, good on you. Props for that. People do it for forty-eight. And yeah, that sounds terrible. I would not do that ever. Um, <laughs> and of course, Leslie, the Viper Lee, uh, host of Struggle Session, well, co-host of Struggle Session, host of Culture on Colin, which I've been on before, and uh, co-host pretty often on Katie Halper. Oh, you're, uh, you're, you're thank muted. You so, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm here. It's an honor to be here. I'm, it's an honor to talk about this amazing, bizarre, wild movie. And I do want to add, he is he is the host because his co-host is not here. Yes. <laughs> I am the host of Struggle Session. Jack Allison is the co-host, te technically. Yeah. It's like the Will Smith, you know, DJ Je Jazzy Jeff thing. I'm the rapper. He's the DJ. But we make it work. We come together. We talk about the intersection of pop culture and politics at patreon.com slash struggle session and sesh.plus every week, two or three times. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're better at this whole plugging thing than I am at this point. <laughs> um, getting, getting, getting it all that sounded like totally pro. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, one you. day, one day we'll, we'll, we'll reach that level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Um, but Some yeah, of us I, already are, but some of us don't do the plugs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get, thrown, I get thrown into doing the plugs every time, even though you're way more professional with it. I don't know how that, you know. <laughs> um, it has to be the boss, man. <laughs> but yeah, so this is this is an interesting movie. Um, doing research into it, obviously the the Tokyo Drifter uh, uh, pop song was kind of the catalyst for it, and it's a movie centered around a pop song, which I don't think is something that we've done um, talked through at any point on the show. 
Yeah, I mean, kind of put this movie a little bit into context. Uh, Seijun Suzuki was a uh, B-movie director, and, and he worked for a studio where he he didn't set out to become a movie director. He just ended up accidentally becoming a movie director and, and cranking out like three to four films a year um, from from the uh, the fifties into the uh, to the sixties. Um, I think you want to this... hear him explain it. He can, he can, I have a clip of him explaining the story. Oh, okay. Okay. You got the origin story in Japanese. Let's just have Andy paraphrase all of the quotes. <laughs> For our audio listeners. ま、日活で、え、仕事始めましたから。で、え、<笑> まあ、See, I kind of love that. I kind of love how free of uh, pretension that is, right? Like every other filmmaker you see, a, a, you know, any kind of um, like interview with, you know, a lot of times I feel like they're adding context and like artistic vision that isn't necessarily there, um, you know, in their own career, right? Like I'm I, like as an illustrious filmmaker, someone who's kind of at the top of their game, like, you know, I, I want to, you know, change the world of my films. He's like, nah, I want to make movies that are uh, entertaining and fun. And no, he's got it. It's beautiful. But the thing of it is, is like he was someone who ha did have an artistic vision and it put him at odds with the studio. And that's why we get a film like Tokyo Drifter, because he's a this movie is not supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be straightforward. But and he's he as uh, Andrew mentioned, he's he made like three or four movies a year for year after year with this studio. And it was a real deal studio system. He was a B movie guy. That means he got X amount of money to make his movie. They picked the who. They told him who was going to be in it, who was going to be. He was going to get one B plus pl player, one uh, B plus girl, et cetera, et cetera. They told him everyone who was going to be in the film, what the script is going to be like. And he just had to shoot it. But he would shoot it in such a way that was weird and discordant and kind of off-putting. And the studio just kept getting more and more pissed at him. So they kept cutting the budget, which just made the film even more weird, which is why we get Tokyo Drifter, which just straight up has like scenes and missing because he had he did not have the money to film 
film them. So the movie just cuts, cuts, cuts away in this kind of hallucinogenic state uh, because the studio was trying to make him make it more formal. They thought by punishing him by taking away the money would make him less weird, but it ended up making him more weird. So even though he was trying to make something just entertaining, you see you get this very strange, like artistic uh, gangster movie that is also like a comedy and a musical. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and if you continue on from this, uh, he did uh, a couple years later, um, uh, Branded to Kill, which is which is another phenomenal uh, film that he did. That was an absolute flop, lost a ton of money and uh, they wouldn't pay him. So he sued for breach of contract and won and then was blacklisted for 10 years. Yeah. And that movie isn't black and white because the studio punished him for Tokyo Drifter. And it said, we're not going to pay for you to make your movie next movie in color. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause, cause fight uh, elegy, which is the one that came after this is also black and white too, which, um, but and there's, a lot some, of there's some interesting stories about Tokyo Drifter um, in the sense of like, the beginning is black and white and watching it, you know, the first time, not knowing any of the backstory, it's like, why is this black and white? It turns out they had a bunch of monochrome film. They wanted to like, kind of just get rid of. So they decided to film the first scene in black and white and they don't even, you know, it, it's, yeah. and, but like once he sees the red, uh, you know, the red on the ground, like it's kind of, it's cool. It's artistic, but the, you know, the fact that it's just, uh, you know, black and white film stock that's laying around, was pretty funny. And also love the overexposure on the faces too. Like like the hands are almost white and the, the faces are almost black in that scene. It's just it's so everything's just so discordant. I love it. <laughs> this is a fun movie to watch when you're like on shrooms or something. Yeah, I mean I'd assume it would be. Or it might just break your brain. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. No, I no, I was just going to say that 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 it's it's also colorful because like it does start off black and white and then it gets more and more colorful as as the film goes on, uh, almost to where it gets to white at the end where you know white is every color and there there's the background and him wearing white. Yeah, I mean it's him wearing white and everyone else wearing black, which uh, you know kind of highlights the the goodness I think of his character versus like the villainy and, and betrayal of everybody else, which, I mean, I don't know if it was kind of intended to be plotted out that way, but it does come no, off. This looks way, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about Suzuki. Suzuki, there's, there's no, there's no hidden meaning for anything. If it looks cool, it flies. And that's, that's the one rule you have with this stuff. And, and like, this is a movie like we, you know, where uh, of a uh, hundred monkeys uh, writing Shakespeare on a typewriter, you know, it, it's, it's, that's, <laughs> You know, I, it, the song the song that is based around is really catchy too. It's been stuck in my head for like three days. Oh um, God, it's never leaving your head, man. Yeah, it's gonna be like uh um, uh, the SpongeBob music. Yeah, <laughs> Tokyo Nagare Mono. Oh, it's good. <laughs> and he sings it like three or four times. I like a film that's not afraid to let the leading man sing a bit. Yeah. And his his girlfriend sings it too at the beginning, and uh, it's kind of the, the opening scene. Like it's cool that like it's multiple characters kind of singing the song. It feels uh, almost like a music video in some way. Yeah, well, and it's it's a classic maneuver. Sorry to break in and oh. talk on the show, but uh, <laughs> go for it. It's 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 a classic thing to have like uh you know you your your protagonist with a theme song, right? But then it's also the flex is 
they don't usually sing their own things. Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the thing. And that's what's like, oh, but I think about like repeated themes and stuff like that. We've talked about it on this show, right? Like, you know, Night of the Hunter and stuff like that. Like they have like, you know, they have certain bits and things that, uh, you know, Peter and the Wolf stuff like that. But yeah, it's not normally like it's no, this is a pop song ostensibly that the main character who is referenced in the song is singing. <laughs> He's like, I, I am the Tokyo drifter. I, yeah, I, I like that scene too. It's just so straightforward when he's talking to uh, Karata and he's, you know, he's just like explaining to him like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the Tokyo Drifter, the Drifter from Tokyo. Yeah, you know, that uh, one. <laughs> the one everyone talks about. They're singing yeah. about it in the streets. <laughs> exactly. People talking about it more and more. Dancing in the streets. Which, but, um, even yeah. weirder, a couple of years beforehand, um, uh, Suzuki did another film called uh, Kento Wanderer, uh, which... <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't find it, so so I couldn't tell you more about oh, it. I was gonna um, say, did, 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 was it a guy named Kento that wandered? Uh, I think he's from the city of Kento. Oh, okay. There and he's a wanderer. I, it would um, be cool if uh, Tokyo Drifter and you know the Kento Wanderer met up somewhere. I don't know. Just, like, I, I haven't seen you know, crossover crossover say, events of the century. There is a uh, sequel. <laughs> there is a sequel to Tokyo Drifter Two. Um, the Electric Bolo? No, no. The, the subtitle's even better. Um, Still the drifting. sea is bright red as the color of love. Mm. Oh, that's the, that's the subtitle for it. That is the subtitle for the, the film. Audacious. I would, yeah. I think that should be your next album uh, title. It's too long. Band name's already a sentence long, man. I can't do it. <laughs> I I think that it's cool. Also, this movie kind of intersects two um, that are kind of going on simultaneously. Two different kind of subgenres of. Uh, Japanese film, which is like, you know, the Yakuza version, which um, the first half of the film kind of classically is. And then like the Ronin kind of samurai wanderer uh, subgenre, which, you know, we talked about um, Ran on uh, This is Revolution two months ago, I think, or Sounds three right. months ago. Yeah. I was um, seeing Gang of Four, but you guys talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, kind of a similar thing with, uh, you know, not not necessarily disgrace, but um, you know the warrior that gets uh, sent away from you know either his his warlord or like or or his band of samurai like whatever it is and has to like kind of wander endlessly um, in exile and I think uh, it, in in a way it feels like um, in this movie right like when he's like oh I'll be the the Tokyo Drifter he's like kind of jumping on that subgenre being like oh like plenty of people do this they just kind of wander endlessly around like i'm gonna do that too and like i'm gonna have a cool name and uh you know this this isn't gonna be bad for me this might be a, an improvement i'll have my own theme song gonna be a hoot yeah <laughs> and, and don't forget also a western because because that, that big bar fight in the middle or towards the end yeah it's it, kind of like a, a parody of westerns although uh suzuki says that he, he wasn't actually trying to parody westerns which he clearly was but it, it kind of resembles almost like uh you know the the great pie fight at the end of blazing saddles like that kind of thing where everyone just ends up fighting each, each other yeah he has all the uh, almost all the violence in this movie is funny uh and he is, and he says this is because he he was in world war 2 uh and he saw some shit he was talking and he talked about the fact that how he got blown off the deck of the ship and he was seeing the ship being bombed and he's his buddies dying and he said it was horrifying but it was also kind of funny and so that's his experience in world war view of world war ii and he, you can see how that kind of translate to the slapstick 
uh, violence that you see here because it can be very silly, but then like people just get straight up shot in the head to uh, like a second layer in like the same scene. Yeah, and and the guy kind of ends his own. There's there's two kind of. Uh, I mean, I guess humorous. They're humorous in that they're they're cut so weirdly. Number one, and number two, they're just placed so weirdly within the film. Um, the like the the first one, where the guy shoots himself in the head. Uh, Tatsu, the the viper, shoots himself in the head really fast, and like it, you, it barely registers with you because it happens so fast. I think, and then kind of drops dead, and that's like one of those classic like, oh, I've been defeated in battle, so I'm gonna commit seppuku. But then it's like you know, the gun version of it, I guess. And then the second one is at the end of it, Karata, um, like they're, they're kind of doing their dance, but they're just kind of going into the background. You see him just slit his wrist and the blood just spurts out of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that once again, like happens in the background and it happens so fast that it's like humorous. Well, it's the execution of it, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> and that makes that makes it so humorous, right? I mean, like, and, and that's that's kind of like I didn't know so much about like the the sabotage by budget that, that was being discussed earlier, but that actually makes way more sense of why the, this movie is the way that it is because of what it you know it, it's you got to admire the dog determination of someone that's been given every any stumbling block possible. And they're like, no, this isn't going to stop me. I'm still going to make something awesome. It's just. As with anything with budget, there's certain things that you're like, well, I guess I have to not care about that now. And in some cases, maybe that's the plot or script. But, you know, <laughs> hey, it works out all right. You got a cool looking movie. You know, great. Get on. You made something cool for people to enjoy. Great. And, and he also had like this group of people close to him that he worked with uh, that he called the Gang of Eight. Um, that that um, I love their work in the Senate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, 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 they uh, would, you know, work on the script together, but then they'd also each of the gang of eight would have different jobs in the production uh, behind the scenes as well. And so they, they would, they'd be there on set to be able to do rewrites uh, real quickly on the fly. And they, because they, they were doing like these things at breakneck speed. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Branded to Kill came out like, uh, like 14 hours after they finished editing it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. His, his, his famous thing is he can edit, uh, he can edit a movie in a day. And he talks about that at length in uh in, in that long interview. He's like, Well, listen, I don't think it takes more than a day to edit something. I think you could just kind of <laughs> <laughs> and this is when they're like slicing film and putting it together. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, which is diff way different than like firing up Premiere and you know, doing a few judicious cuts. Like it's that's a that's I mean, that's weirdly impressive accent on the weird, but also accent on the impressive. Well, I think it shows also uh, you know, this this studio system because he had like money cut from his budgets more and more over time. Like it wasn't just, you know, like they handed him a little bit of money. Like they, they doled out money based on how successful your movie was previously and like how big a celebrity you were and like how fast you could do the turnaround time and stuff. So he was pretty uh, regularly given a tiny bit of like a tiny amount of money to make these movies with. And they're kind of um, viewing them more as a, which they didn't in Hollywood too, but like the B movie system is more of like, listen, we just have to get these movies out as fast as possible. Like as yeah, it's possible. like their equivalent of like the Roger Corman world or something. Right. Like, yeah. Like, Hey man, here's what we got <laughs> do do your best. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a clip I found on Criterion when they're talking about uh, shooting it though. And the color. Um, I don't know. I found it. I found it Criterion interesting. Bernie? He, <laughs> Criterion. I gotta I gotta work workshop that bit and actually get it like good. But uh yeah, I, I found this kind of interesting because it seems like 
everybody around him was more stressed than he was about the like his financial situation. But that might be a retrospective thing. I don't know.あの、で、そこないの風にも入ったね。で、それでやろうって言ったわけ。最後にあの、赤いおもちゃが出てきますよね。あれを取りたいために、あの、黒にしたんじゃないでしょうか。つまり前編を通じて、その、血の匂いが
Tarantino for highlighting the people and helping people discover. Yeah, he's done he's done a lot. Um, you know, taking a lot of his influence from Japanese filmmaking in general too. And I, I don't know, it's kind of a, a, a fascinating uh a fascinating time period because you know, like just turning movies out that fast and still having people make like extremely beautiful products out of it. Um whether like whether or not the, the plot is coherent within that, like is always kind of I mean it's kind of fascinating. Um I don't know. This movie like this movie specifically is so like artistic in the way that they're they're thinking through the sets and like like you know whatever whatever you want to say about the plot like the sets are are you know dazzling. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I just I love those sets cuz like that that um that bar that a lot of the scenes are taking place in, you know, um it starts off in this garish yellow and then uh, at the end of the movie, you know, and that the donut uh that that's in the middle of the bar is is yellow as well. The, the piano bar. Um, I don't know why there's a giant donut in the middle of the room, but they got a giant donut. We would just go with it. And then, then I love the fact that it's like it's like uh, blood red in the last scene. And then after he kills the last guy, the, the red just drops out immediately. It, it's, yeah. just, it's it's amazing. Um, everything about this movie, just just like, you know, he, he does it all because it's cool, not because it means anything. And it's it, but it still looks beautiful. And you you want to assign meaning to it like like. Uh, remember in Ran, I brought up how yellow meant treachery, um, which is why uh, Kurosawa specifically chose yellow for that particular sun. Uh, in this movie, like it's yellow because it's yellow, man. It's cool. Um, yeah, uh, and, and having talked through on. having talked through Ran to the level that we did for as many hours as we did <laughs> on that, um, you know, on on that show, and like having to like learn color theory and everything, my brain was like assigning meaning to things in this movie and then to find out like oh no it doesn't mean anything like it, it just it just is it was kind of like a mind fuck forest actually by, by the end of that episode he pretty much looked exactly like this <laughs> <laughs> uh the famous uh bisexual lighting scene bisexual in lighting. yeah well i think tokyo drifter had every sexual kind of lighting um, <laughs> exactly. pansexual pansexual lighting is uh <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the noir elements to it, um, obviously the Yakuza version of it, right? Like, I mean, and, and kind of his wandering around the city, like there's a lot of really cool shots of like, uh, you know, the, the bar uh, insignia and like, and, and that's kind of a, a classic, I think, noir thing to like kind of have a guy just like wandering around and then have the, you know, like all of the lights and stuff of the city kind of following with him. And they did, they did that pretty uh you know, pretty cool. We, I don't think we've seen that really in, in a noir movie yet um, that we've covered uh, for this for this watch through. But yeah, this movie had it in spades. <laughs> Sam spades, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, I think it's notable. And, and again, uh, for those not familiar with the series, th this month is movie noir extravaganza. And we're like, examining all of the various noirs and neo noirs and whatnot. And we're doing so in sequential order like uh, as far as like we started from like one of the earliest ones we're going to cover and we're ending with one of the latest ones we're gonna that we're gonna cover and it's interesting to see the things we identify with the genre sort of appear yeah and if you've Not actually watched more japanese noir um like this one kind of fits uh it starts off very similar to american noir and then slowly becomes more crime story like 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 heist movies and that kind of stuff yeah but centered around the yakuza and, and or, or revenge stories or whatnot um and, and uh they're they're very like uh predating what the 70s cinema ended up doing but like right you know but there's a there 
you know, this movie's after that transition, but you can still see like like the noirish elements because you know there's so much that makes a noir a noir. Yeah, and you know we're trying to figure out some of what those 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 tropes are, but they kind of are more and more uh, elusive as you kind of go through and do this kind of watch through. I think. Um, uh, yeah, it, but it's kind of it's kind of fascinating. This movie kind of over time becomes less of a of a noir movie or less of a of you know a crime movie and transitions into like a, a classic like a, you know Ronin story I'd say, um, and you know getting into all of those Ronin related hijinks where you're going into you know you're fighting the the southern group and the northern group and you know people are just kind of like hey I need your help and like well I'm a man of honor so I can't just uh, you know I can't I just can't let a bunch of people die so I guess I'll just get involved in this fight. Um, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a, a classic, a classic uh, setup for, for stuff. I feel like this movie kind of um, it, like, maybe you didn't care about the characters uh, as much as you might in, in other movies, but like, there's definitely like a, you know, uh, dynamics, I think that made this kind of fascinating. Like, I, I think it's interesting that they were all going straight. And like the, the central theme of the movie is that like, you know, he's suddenly like, there's suddenly a Yakuza gang who are like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to be straight from here on out. And like, it's kind of a hilarious uh, starting point. Absolutely. Um, I also like how, how this kind of um, uh, like it's, it's about, you know, it's more about the, the coolness of the character rather than anything else. I mean, like, does he, oh, yeah, that's film? like a central, that's a central theme. Yeah. It's no, like, he's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just like, and if, if you go and watch like say uh, Hong Kong uh, films, like Hong Kong action flicks, uh, Chow, you know, Chow Yun Fat movies are a lot like that too. Where, where you know, does he grow throughout the course of the film? No, but he's just a badass, and you just want to watch it from start to end. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. they also kind of undermine that in certain scenes. Like the, the funniest, I think, is uh, when they trap him and he runs in to rescue uh, Yoshi or whatever, or thinking thinking he's going to rescue Yoshi, but then the body drops right in front of him. He runs in and he chases the guy, and then they they pull out the drawbridge. <laughs> he just hits the fucking ground. That's like well, I think that's a really because I. I was just like what the <laughs> well he runs in with that determined purpose like i'm gonna save this guy i'm gonna like, like you know take on everybody single-handed and they just pull up a fucking drawbridge on the gun and, and you know if you they had thought. the budget they, if they had the budget they have him like running in midair and realize that there's nothing below him and then falls oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't and he lands in the looney tunes he lands yeah. in the looney tunes like this style. <laughs> exactly exactly um I, and then I, I think the whole the whole underset uh, in in that whole part of it, right in the club, where uh, you know you can actually see the people still dancing in the club while all this is going on, was really cool. And uh, it kind of his he has to like when he has to crawl out of the the tunnel or whatever. I thought that you know that was all some some really interesting, like really interesting budget filmmaking. Um, yeah. And yeah. Just, he... Oh, go ahead, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. They mentioned in that last clip the snow scene, um, where that it looks absolutely phenomenal, absolutely amazing, but it is like not. It's just like two. It's not like a lot happening. It's just like this kind of natural uh, setting, but it looks absolutely beautiful, phenomenal. One of the most beautiful things you ever see, but it's not like super expensive or difficult or tricky. Yes, yeah, and it, it reminded me very much. I think. Uh, Paul Smith and Uncanny X-Men uh, when Wolverine was in Japan, uh, you know, probably pulled some imagery from this movie to make that sequence uh, there. Um, I, I think, I think Suki's filmmaking also like 
it's kind of interesting that it inspired, like whether or not he was kind of thinking it through, I think his filmmaking techniques uh, inspired a lot of like more modern artists, which is something that we saw again with last week's um, Charles Lawton, Night of the Hunter, right? Like a lot of filmmakers are insanely inspired by that, that guy's one movie. In this case, I, I feel like Zuki is someone who definitely didn't get his due while he was working or while he was working for that studio at least. And it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting to see in retrospect, and you know, in a completely different country, honestly, like the the inspiration that people like Tarantino take from it. Yeah, you know, he did get his, the you know the due he deserved it in his lifetime. Just um, uh, you know, he was making movies up until uh, just before he passed away. Um, so so, and, and uh, people still were like praising him because Criterion was putting uh, just about everything he did out, uh, which is crazy because you know. It's like it's like if say um, China decides to put all of uh, Roger Corbin movies out as like the the most premium uh, thing, but but uh, I mean, but their culture is significant, right? All the Godzilla movies are in Criterion as well, and some of them are yeah. horrible. And I say that as a fan, but it's like there's Criterion editions of them because they're culturally important. So, and that's yes. why, and that's why Criterion needs to make. Uh, movies, not just for the 1%, not just at $27, but flash sale prices all year round. And that is my 2024 platform. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't done a Jordan Peterson today. I, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't no, have that range no. today. <laughs> He's gone too far over the line. I'll, um, I'll walk right off this show. <laughs> not beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, you know, cultural significance, right, isn't necessarily um, artistic coherence uh, all the time. But right? the thing it's, is, though, is like, like I don't think he would, uh, outside of influencing a few people, like um, uh, the, the the director of Dead or Alive um, in Japan. Like, I don't see him having as major influence, uh, you know, inside Japan as he did outside Japan. Because, like, um, I've heard stories of like the Marvel bullpen in the seventies, uh, people like, you know. Um, going to see midnight showings of this movie and and uh, uh, you know finding copies of like Lone Wolf and Cub with with which you know didn't have any English translation. It's just this yeah. Japanese book, and they're just looking at the pictures, um, <laughs> a, 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 which is kind of crazy. And uh, later on, movie series too. I mean, they made they made movies of it as well. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, uh, I take the point. Comics, yeah. You know, uh, also <laughs> like like you know in the seventies they didn't have like home video, so like. Yeah. Uh, you know, occasionally Chinatown would show, um, uh, you know, movies that aren't Chinatown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all they show Chinatown, in Chinatown instantly. The, I popped the movie Chinatown. Popped in um, since since Leslie only has an hour, do you want to do the letterbox one liners? Uh, now, early or sure, Leslie? Do you do you want to you want the the experience the majesty of the letterbox one liners? Oh, let's go. All right, so Letterboxd, of course, is a social media site. It's a place for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other about the films they love, the films they don't love, the films they were baffled by, the films that were weirdly horny to or about. And, of course, those are best expressed as a one-liner review. Uh, people working on their tight five, being on the internet, as people do. And these are the one-liners for Tokyo Drifter. Forrest, take it away. The slaps were immaculate. <laughs> yes i was like uh thinking about you know this time watching just how great the foley artist was in this oh yeah 
beautiful sound design, great slaps. Uh, I absolutely love it. It reminded me a lot of the Batman 60s show, a lot of the fighting. Oh, and that's a yeah. compl- I mean, as a compliment. No, the slap yeah. slap. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop took this shit and ran with it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Thank you, Tristana. Tokyo Drifter budget, production design, fifteen million, theme song, five million, literally everything else, twenty dollars. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Yes, I mean, you know, it ends up being the song that people, you know, that like they want to promote. Like it makes sense to, it's it, like if, if nothing else, it's the uh, it's the world's you know best. Uh, most colored most colored uh music video right like yeah it's it's the trapped in the closet of its day exactly <laughs> without the uh, sexual ramifications this film is so cool my tv needed defrosting afterwards oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah very timeless cool in this it's still cool uh to this day 50 60 years on mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to pull off Sometimes not having any idea what happened is how you know it's noir. <laughs> that should be the that should be the tagline for this uh, for this season of, of of movie night extravaganza this month. It's like our checklist. Uh, does this movie make sense? No, perfect. Yeah. I, I I will say one thing. There's no mystery in this really, and I think that's a, that does take a few points off it from being you know a noir i would give this like a you know it's not it could be it was it's almost perfect movie but there's no real mystery it's just like kind of the same thing happening to this guy over and over again until he gets in into his thick skull that there is no uh loyalty among uh yakuza yeah yeah cool guy right around you cool guy stuff exactly five minutes before the movie's over he's still like is still kind of holding on to the hope that like oh like he's not gonna he's not gonna throw me to the wolves like, no <laughs> yeah, he is yeah. he's gonna fucking throw you to the wolves and he's like ah, i don't i don't know ah. <laughs> easily the best fast and furious movie okay well see a lot of people are making this mistake this is Tokyo Drifter, not Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I was already familiar with this film before you invited me on because that's a mistake I could have easily made as well. <laughs> like, there's a lot of car racing, I think, in this. Uh, I, I don't think there were any noir elements, but there was a lot of racing. Of more trains, more trains. than That actually is one thing missing. There could have been a few more like car chases or bike chases. You with know, what budget? Yes, exactly. That's the problem. They had super but, cool car, though. I mean, look at that paint job. It had like a rainbow down one side, yeah. checks down the other. Like, man, that was stylish. Also, like they they had to make sure that the uh, the the shootout scene, as you see behind you, you know, they're not on the train for that. The train's kind of just coming around in the background. Yeah, and uh, you know, they're not fighting on the train itself. And awesome green screen, by the way. Awesome use of green screen on that train scene. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Basically incoherent, but who cares? It's cool as fuck. <laughs> True. I guess the, the star they took off was for coherence. Um. I guess, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Supremely cool movie. Dude has his own walk-up music. Yes. <laughs> Facts. And sometimes he sings it, and sometimes uh, you know a narrator sings it, and sometimes his girlfriend sings it. Sometimes he whistles it. 
<laughs> yeah, when he whistles, when you think he's dead and he starts whistling it, that was sick. Yeah, and it's his own fucking theme song. <laughs> he could have whistled any song, and he's like, he's That's like the one. I'm still here, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Luke Skywalker never did that. He never sat there, like, you know, start whistling the Star Wars thing. <laughs> Boring but cool, like a Honda from the 80s. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't necessarily I don't, agree, but I laugh. It's an at hour it. twenty minutes long, and it's half music. I'm not sure, and and then the other half is shootouts. I'm not sure. Like a Honda from the eighties, apparently. Yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> man, what kind of Honda is he driving? I, it's me, man. I'm one with its own theme music. Like Sounds awesome. <laughs> I want his car. It's speaking it's, of which. Yeah. The hero sings his own theme song to psych out his enemies. Next level move. <laughs> the guy gets so pissed too. True. The guy gets so mad. He, he's he's so like mad he's like ah oh, he's on the ground. He, he's he's dead. It's, it doesn't matter. And then you start singing the song. The guy's like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, those are the letterbox one liners for Tokyo Drifter. You can follow the show Moving Extravaganza on Letterboxd, which is forced over there. I, of course, am Coda Neutron. You can follow me as well. I'm all over that stuff. Uh, J. Andrew World over here is on there, and he's. He's watching all the stuff that you had no idea existed, let alone if you wanted to watch it or not. Uh, you can follow him as well. Christina Oaks. I'm Christina. I swear she's on this show, people. Uh, yeah. She's on there as well. And uh, is maybe I did my first it. review. Did you really? Okay, yes. fantastic. Yes, of Aquaman. Oh, all I said was yes. did I like Aquaman. <laughs> uh, Leslie, I don't, think, I don't think you're on Letterboxd, are you? No, I am not. I, I I I refuse. I refuse. I'm sorry because I saw I saw the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Someone gave a negative review to like uh, uh, everything everywhere all at once. I think it was. <gasps> Give me their and, name and I will find them and hurt them. Well, what happened was then someone went to his letterbox and was like, "Hey, you've never watched an Asian movie before. You're racist." Only because he had not put like every movie he ever watched on Leatherbox. So I will never have a Leatherbox now because people what? will come for you. I, I'm not willing to make okay. that kind of commitment. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, like I've seen your, uh, you know, people responding to you on Twitter and people get extremely unhinged about like little oh, like, yeah. movies you don't like. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, seen, like, I've seen people write it out without even like adding you. And they're like, Leslie Lee didn't like the matrix the new matrix and that's why and then it's the most unhinged rant you've ever seen in your fucking life yeah it's yeah like, in this essay i will discuss yeah <laughs> yeah i've had that happen a few times but i'm sure it's a great site for people who uh are not who never once appeared on a podcast that every guy thinks they have a right to appear on chop on trap house ever since then it's like every person who gets mad at me on the internet stays real mad at me yeah don't don't talk about avatar either uh but that said i use it just for the watch list like the watch list function alone is actually very useful for me oh that's because, useful yes uh yeah because I'll, I'll be like hey that sounds good i'll put that on there and be like oh yeah cool i'm gonna watch it. anyway whatever we're not sponsored by them it's just a bit i do in no. this show because i think it's funny <laughs> oh yes it's so, very like, useful whatever I, it ain't nothing to me i mean i'm just saying i like the site uh, are we doing? Are we doing plugs now too? Or are we gonna do that at the end? What? What? what uh, like we, we should probably let's let's do that further on the end. But um, I, I wanted right, to play one more uh, one more clip uh, while we still have Leslie. This is the the other the second half of them talking about shooting this movie. Um, you know, Tokyo Drifter, the movie that we're presumably talking about. Right? I just said a whole bit on it. I mean, I like... know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we should also I, I hate to be the guy but like when we and we do cover a lot of foreign films so that guy that came for the guy that leslie saw would uh not be able to uh talk trash to us but when we have clips that are don't have subtitles uh in the audio version of this we should maybe summarize what was being said because it probably could be daunting for people that say don't speak japanese yeah so, i meant to mention that on another show but here we are i mentioned it now hooray mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the grief for you. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. それはまあ、いわゆる会社の方針がスター あのね、渡さんのことってね、最初会社はあの渡を売り出す映画だからっていうことで来たわけよね。で、ところが出来上がったのはね、そうじゃなかったらしいんで会社が見たのは。で、渡を売り出しそこで立つ会社へ行って
Yeah, the one time, yeah, one that the colors actually have some like meaning or value, and he's like, no, no, get rid of that. It's like, yeah, everything else is great though. Keep all the rest of it. All that crazy shit. Yeah, great. It's so funny that they think that this movie didn't promote Watari enough. I, maybe the original cut was very different, but he looks like the coolest dude every single time he's on yeah. screen. He Look, gets there's criticism. He gets to he gets to sing. He gets to fight. He gets to shoot. He gets to look all cool while being like, "I don't want to do this anymore," and then getting drawn into it, which honestly is the coolest thing you can really do in one of these movies, right? Is to be like, "I'm done with this. I'm throwing it off. No more yeah. violence for me." And then to get drawn back into just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You know. Well, it's one of the movies that kind of establishes that sort of trope, right? Because that wasn't like a tired hackney thing at, at this point. That was sort of like still kind of like a, a newer uh, storytelling concept. And yeah, like uh, of the criticisms you could lobby at this movie, the fact that it didn't make its protagonist look cool enough. <laughs> what? Did you see the same damn movie? What were you watching? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also interesting that they operated so much in the star system because that's how like old Hollywood like kind of yeah. work too. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the more auteur style of, of cinema that kind of came around in the sixties and seventies happened because directors at that point were like, we're tired of not being stars at the center of things. Like we should take this into our own hands and people, um, like Coppola kind of started their own, you know, like, uh, so yeah. So like, so to kind of have it be that, it's kind of that, but like on steroids almost, right? Like this, this version of the, you know, the studio system where it's like, it doesn't really matter uh, who's directing this whatsoever. At the same time, it's all, you know, the director's fault if anything goes wrong, but it doesn't, you know, yeah, yeah, directors yeah. are <laughs> a dime a dozen. Exactly. You, you have to have someone to uh, scapegoat if it doesn't go right. And, and otherwise, you know, oh, well, the producers really did all the work, you know. OK, all right, we get it. If it's, <laughs> if it's a hit. Yeah. I mean, nothing new under the sun for that. Right. Was it uh, failure has failure has a, a thousand fathers, but or no failure only has one father, but success has a I don't know. There's the, there's I, th I think old... you had it right the first time. I think it's yeah. Yeah. yeah but anyway, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, we, we get it. Yeah. I like um, that. Uh, Christina basically looks like she could be from this movie. <laughs> lighting yeah. and all room. too and lighting yes. yeah. Re representing all the colors from the film yes. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> and a marathon sesh that has ended with discussion of this film more or less yes <laughs> colors <laughs> we're for uh, them you know yeah. now more than ever Cody you kind of <laughs> look like you're also dressed for the theme as well since you're wearing black and white I I'm glad you noticed Christina thank you I I, I, I do there is a logic to what I picked for my apparel for the show. It may not be immediately apparent, but I did, in fact. I'm smart. Great minds think alike. There you go. <laughs> Christina is 80% of the colors of this movie, and then you're the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just happy to see everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, Andy has vision, so that's good. We like that, yes. too. Which but, uh, is weird, uh, you know, being the artist of the channel. Right, yeah, exactly. um, since Leslie only had an hour, uh, I want to give him a chance to do final thoughts and, and plug anything that, you know, he wants to. Um, just, you know, we, we always do final thoughts where we just kind of uh, either summarize what we wanted to talk about in this or add anything that we didn't get to or, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say that this film is just such a joy to watch visually. It's just a movie. And that's something that has 
almost seemingly entirely been lost in like mainstream American uh, filmmaking. Uh, and just like a film that's, you know, cheaply made a goofy gangster movie with barely a plot to plug a, a crappy pop song, still absolutely visually stunning. And, you know, with all uses all these strange techniques to create this really, you know, surreal movie that's like half gangster movie, half musical, like it like it borrows from like West Side Story and stuff in, in a lot of the scenes in this. And it's just it has so much going for it. I can see why, you know, people keep uh, people like Tarantino uh, found it, you know, very inspirational. And I hope uh, people check it out and check out more of this uh, era of Japanese filmmaking. All right. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Um, for one set, we actually get somebody out of here at the time that they. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. It, 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 well, may, it may be a first. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on, man. It was great. Come yeah, on again. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me at uh, patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I so I have uh, the editing in a day clip and. I, I'm, I'm, I would love to see some of that because that to me, that's like almost like burying the lead on some of this. It's like, he had this stuff. How much like back then again on the machines, right on the machines. Yeah. I also yeah. think I, I can't see this without thinking about that. Uh, whoa, Jack meme that it's just the two guys pointing to something and they're like, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one, but that's what that guy's face looks like to me. <laughs> <laughs> あの、編集が非常にまあ、容易なことって言いますかね。え、1日でできちゃうっていうことについて質問ですけども。あの、とにかく必要なカットしか取っちゃいけないよっていうのが、ま、オフナの伝統みたいなものでしたからね。え、ま、それがま、あの、気持ちの中へ、え、残したんでしょうから。あの、必要な本当に余計な、だから全部いろいろ
そう答えざるを得ないわけです。ただもう一つもっと大きくあの言えばあの当時はこの横長の絵ですからねこれはどうしてもそのいわゆる舞台の作りになりますよね。えー、いわゆる、えー、35ミリの縦長の構図じゃなくて横長の構図になってきますからと横長の構図っていうのは割合にその人物の動かし方がロングに行くとまあ不鮮明になってしまうわけですよね。でそのためにいやロングに行った人物も、えー、気を渡すためにはスポットライト当てなきゃならない。まあそういうなんか横長サイズの制約というのがございますよね。だその制約の中でいかに、えー、そういうなんだ技術的なことをやるかっていうのも一つの問題だっ,てだったわけですね。それをまああの利用したっていうのかな横長サイズの制約を逆に、えー、利用したとまあそういうことじゃないかと思います。Yeah, so it's like an extremely technical style of、uh, filmmaking. Of course, you know, being able to kind of just line it up and edit it in a day, just kind of getting it done. Um, it kind of feels more technical than it does artistic. And which is like, there is a long standing thing about filmmakers a lot of times in, in, older, in the older Hollywood system,、um, seeing themselves more as technicians, I think, than creative、yeah. artists. And he's very much in that mold.、Um, I mean, which makes sense. Like, you know, he's just trying to make a living and, and having a hard time doing it in this system because he's not necessarily the studio's favorite person in the world. You know what I mean? Like, so. That part of it makes sense to me, but yeah, especially、right. after that lawsuit he won. <laughs> Did he, was he able to keep working for them after that lawsuit?、Uh, not, he didn't work for that studio ever again after that lawsuit and then was blacklisted for 10 years. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, so, so it, yeah, there, there's this big hole. And then, uh, Uh, so, uh, at the end of the 70s and, and into the 80s, he, he really didn't do much.、Uh, like, his, his output was slowed a lot.、Um, but he still put out you know, a few movies.、Um, I, I know、uh, one that I really want to see, like one of his later films, is、um, uh, Pistol Opera, which is、uh, supposed to be the sequel to、um, uh, Branded to Kill. And,、uh, you know, Branded to Kill's fun. Like, like it's, if you think this movie's weird, it doesn't make sense. Wait till you get to Branded to Kill.、Um, and they do it in black and white.、Um, lots of butterflies are everywhere. Like, like, you know, where this movie had color, that movie has butterflies. Yeah, it seems like they ask him the most about Branded to Kill in these、uh, interviews. Like, they have the most questions about the filmmaking process with that. It, it is a strange film because, like,、uh, it, it's full of like sex, violence, and、uh, rice sniffing.、Um, the main character just likes to sniff rice. <laughs> Old rice sniffer over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like something about boiling water he really enjoys.、Um, <laughs> sure, I'm not one to kink shame, whatever. You know? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a very strange film.、Um, And、uh, it, it, because of you know,、uh, the style of,、um, uh, of Suzuki, it makes the weirdness of everything you know, be even stranger because、um, the, whole, the whole crux of the film is、um, he's the number three、uh, assassin trying to become the number one assassin. And because of a butterfly, he, he misses his hit. And now all the Yakuza's after to kill him. Hmm. It's like the,、uh, the sun was in my eyes excuse, but more stylish. Yes. 
and but there's butterflies throughout the film and it's just it really you know it makes you wonder like like i heard that movie is brought to you by big butterfly yeah Mm. (laughs) butterfly effect you know they have to overtake the moth lobby so exactly (laughs) there you go um no, another thing that I think is uh, is is really interesting. It feels like um, the yakuza uh, crime kind of genre, right? Because like it's kind of well trodden, I guess. Um, you know, even bad. even in those interviews, they're like, "Oh, well, you know, they always wear the black the the black suits and the sunglasses, and we want to make sure that in our movie characters wear other like brighter cut like." So those tropes are well enough established. I feel like they didn't get established to that degree, and you know, here with mafia movies and stuff until way later. Like, uh, you know, starting with like The Godfather, which was like, um, I mean, that's obviously not the first movie that handled the mafia, but it was the first movie to that extent that kind of did it, um, like a like an explainer, right? Like they it was kind of kind of the Hays Code too that kind of prevented it, right? Yeah, but um, so I, I kind of find it fascinating that you know, way before they had that kind of because for a long time uh after the sopranos came out they had like direct to dvd mafia movies that they were just making for the longest fucking time and this is kind of like that in a way and they'd um, always like, get like one or two guys from the sopranos in it yeah <laughs> but this is kind of like that but but like a you know the yakuza version like the b movie um you know i mean this movie is artistically brilliant those movies are never artistically brilliant those movies are always Bad, this movie's not supposed but, to be artistically brilliant. That's the thing. That, that that's what's amazing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the whole uh studio, you know, is constantly churning out these these B Yakuza movies, and they're not supposed to be uh these artistic things at all. Yet, you know, here here's one just just amazingly doing it. I I just I have to imagine like the cast of Sopranos or something like because they always have like one or two of them in those movies like those straight to DVD movies they're wearing like bright like orange and like blue suits <laughs> right 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 I must be loyal to my capo <laughs> hey you got something on my on my bright blue suit over here <laughs> yeah well I also like that um uh that 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 uh Stargate is actually in the same universe as the Sopranos <laughs> Uh, the the one episode of uh stargate atlantis actually watch is is that one too which is amazing it's like the second to last episode of the series and um it's set on earth and for some reason two guys from the sopranos are just there in vegas uh you know just hanging out doing their thing and and they're hanging out in vegas over here and they're making sopranos (laughs) it's great it's 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 wild well curb your enthusiasm exists for some reason in the world of the sopranos but they're they're watching hbo junior soprano watches hbo and curb your enthusiasm on that one scene which means that hbo exists which is what the sopranos were on minus the sopranos which is just not as good an hbo i don't think oh no it can't be I wouldn't have signed up for HBO Max in that case. <laughs> um, but uh, do we want to do an after party tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm down for either way. I'm down to either wait for um, for Friday or when we do Memento. Or... I think it's only going to be the two of us, Forrest. Yeah, I'm I'm spent, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like Christina Subathon spent, but I'm I'm spent. So yeah, prob- probably not. The, the the heart is willing, the body is weak. Yeah, how many subs did you get? Did you get like um, any Italian subs? Any? <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got like a foot long. Anyway, or <laughs> I I managed to get like seventy three. So like 
total of 73 so far. So that's good. I gained like 10 subs. So yay. Great. I was stuck at 69 all day. Nice. 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 <laughs> yeah. While got... we're talking about subs. Oh, sorry. Are you done? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, Andy, we, we kind of, we did the letterbox one-liners early. So did you want to run through your. Yeah. Let me. Yes, absolutely. If you're watching us right now on Twitch, since we've been talking about Twitch, and you want to become a sub, um, you can subscribe if you uh, if you're able to. Now, if you happen to be one of those chaps out there with a um, Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free, and that helps us out. And we thank you so much for that. Either way, thank you. Um, if you are watching us over on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, hit that bell, and this is the big ask right here. Watch the video to the end. You got a great Conan Neutron song. So, like, you know, what what are you guys complaining about? You can watch it to the end. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool guy. It's a cool guy Conan song. You know, it's, it's a good uh, walking around noir noir song. I snap. Walking Every around being a cool guy. On, I'm just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Makes me want to walk around Vienna. It's okay. great. It's great. <laughs> um, we have a Patreon uh, for the patrons. You can party forever. Um, which is great. Uh, our after parties are yeah, you, you, know, you, you kind of buried the lead on that one. Yes, we, have, we have after parties after most episodes. We're gonna have one probably on Friday for Memento. Um, and you know, if you go on there, you get the party that day, right? It's for everyone, but you get the party forever if you apparently you get to party for forever. Yeah, like that that, <laughs> that that's a that's a new one on me. I'm like, really for forever, huh? That's a promise. Yeah, no, but as long as you're a patron, you can party on. Um, and we do have more things that are going to be coming soon on Patreon. So stay tuned there. Um, if you happen to be, uh, uh, if you can, um, subscribe to, uh, Katrina, uh, Katrina on Christine. Christ- <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Doing here, folks. I got notes and I'm screwing it up with my notes. <laughs> I'm Katrina. It's a hurricane over there on Twitch. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we just destroyed New Orleans again. Just yes. like it's 2005. Um, yeah. Destroyed New Orleans like it's 2005. And George Bush still doesn't care about black people. It's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, do, do all the Twitch things with uh, Christina. <laughs> or Katrina, take your pick. They're all good. Hey. Uh, and... She also has a Patreon, so so hit her up over on her Patreon too. Yep, I'm Christina. Everything's on Christina. I even do the Tic Tac as the Gen Z does. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Johnny Depp and stuff. Your your breath is clear. Yeah, on the Tic Tac. Yes. I thought we were saving that joke for the mementos. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coming up next episode, mementos, the fresh maker. <laughs> oh, you know Speaking the fresh the fresh maker is my mafia name. <laughs> he's over there he's, his breath is so fucking fresh <laughs> oh we're in trouble now they're bringing in the fresh maker <laughs> we gotta cake it on the land boys it's while so you're... minty over here <laughs> the good news is while you're on the lamb from the fresh maker you can listen to Protonic Reversal ah, yeah it. there we go so yeah. bring it back back to the plugs um, who, who we got this week on Protonic Reversal Steven DePace of Flipper. So nice. this is a uh, reschedule from before. But yeah, if you're remotely into the world of punk rock, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it should be should be a great one. I'm very excited to do this one. Flipper's a fantastic band. And 
there's been a long time coming so all yeah. right um also check out conan's album dangerous nomenclature yes um, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com go get it yeah Thanks. and their music video is coming soon which is exciting yes maybe as early as next week more on that soon yeah well whenever but you know just teasing it get people excited exactly Get people uh, and, excited uh, like the fucking fresh maker does. Like the fresh maker over there. After you support us on Patreon and, and Christina and Katrina, um, you can always uh, support <laughs> you can always support Protonic Reversal also on uh, Patreon. Um because that really yeah, after you've already spent all your money and the thousands of other things mentioned earlier in those plugs. If you have anything left over, <laughs> Mr. Pennybags, yeah. <laughs> Throw it my way. <laughs> yes. By the way, I like I like the idea of uh you know you have you have I'm Christina, but then you have Anne Katrina, like with two D's and <laughs> that's either her alter ego or her, her biggest rival. One of the that's other. her that's her biggest rival, and they're like they're both covering the uh the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. But she walked but, out today, y'all. But, uh, <laughs> but but and but and Katrina is uh is on the side of Amber Heard and is like an Amber Heard and has the opposite color scheme for whatever whatever you have yeah it's, it's, it's like blue scheme. on one side purple on the other yeah 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 <laughs> no that's I like this but it's this the opposite bit. you walked out right after the judge was like hey go sit next to your lawyer and she was like no and walked out and I'm like but and Katrina thought it was a boss lady move is yes. what hashtag yeah. girl boss yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and katrina uh you know actually raises money for amber heard she's like sends all the <laughs> she's best friends with eve fartlow yeah they're, they're, they have a mutual twitter presence <laughs> it's actually just Eve fartlow secret account <laughs> I, I the, think we're just, out, the one where you're allowed to respond to her tweets and not just quote treat her. I think we're actually doing the after party right now in the middle of the plugs. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Although I think well, you can find amazing plugs, content so. like that, you know, hours and of you can party like for that. forever. Apparently you can party forever for forever at, uh, you know, <laughs> patreon.com slash movie night extra. Um, yeah. you know, I don't want to give you guys too much right now because you know, you go over there. It's, it's a blast. It's your party for forever. You know, a blast like the fresh maker. Uh, a blast like like you would get from the fresh maker. Yeah, the you fresh know? makers over there holding court. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole scene. In my minty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I want to hear from uh, from Andy about uh, his final thoughts on this first because this is his his choice, his critics' choice uh, top pick. Yeah, I know. Um, when, when we were doing this, I, I absolutely love Japanese noir in general, and I think this is a movie that kind of sh- uh, sums up like, like, because Japanese noir starts from a very s- similar place to where noir uh, was at the, you know, uh, in the 1940s, and then takes this detour, and uh, you know, uh, from it becoming closer to uh, honestly um, a Hong Kong action flex. I, I mean, like, like that. Th- that's like. You know, there there's a straight line from film noir to Hong Kong action flicks through Japan, and, and if you go through uh, enough of them, you can actually start to see this weird evolution. Um, and Suzuki is is uh, you know probably my second favorite Japanese director. Um, you know, right after Kira Kurosawa, uh, which Kira Kurosawa does everything on purpose, and Suzuki just like uh, he doesn't even storyboard his shots, which is amazing too. 
if you think yeah, about this, that. Uh, it really fucked me up to have talked about Rand for as long as we did on that episode. And then to watch this movie and be yeah. like, oh, there's there's got to be like this deep like analysis behind everything. And then to hear him be like, no, nope. I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted the audience to have a good time and entertain yeah. them. And it was like, all right, well, my brain's broken. <laughs> I mean, there's the fact that like, like you know, Kira Kurosawa spent uh, 10 years on Rand going blind painting storyboards for that movie. And uh, uh, here's here's this other director who just basically like throws it together in a weekend and comes out with almost like the same spectacular use of color. Um, it, it, it just blows my mind. Uh, for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just because it looked cool. I mean, you know, this is the only reason to do stuff, I, I guess, sometimes. Yellow means betrayal. And it's important that everyone knows that. Yellow is also a cool color for a club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I did spend a lot of time on Rand just discussing, like, the meanings, and specifically the meanings in Japan of, uh, of the colors. Because, like, you know, different cultures have different meanings for colors. So, uh, it's You know, it's, it's, it's a big internet. There's spaces for everyone. It's great. Yeah, and I also just love, like, the little things. Like, like you know, the uh, um, getting the, the seal... Um, which uh, goes back to like uh, one of the most common things where you see the seals from is uh, on Japanese prints, people who'd owned them would like write their comments about the uh, the print on the print and then stamp their seal on it. So as it goes through hundreds of years, like people would have like basically Twitter wars on this piece of artwork right. that they bought. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I was going to say we call that Twitter now. That was my joke, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But, but like, uh, you know, somebody, it's, someone's it, writing it out and they're like, my name is E. Fartlow. And uh, I just wanted you to know on this piece of artwork, it looks too much like Palestine. And I don't like that. <laughs> Indeed. That's and true, you can't though. comment because I just burned the print. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the equivalent of, uh, of a disabling comments. I yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you no. Burned, like, this 200 year old. Thank you, Seth Rogen, for, for, for giving her that nickname. <laughs> yes, best thing Seth Rogen ever did. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Let's not. I don't know. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't feel like you got a free pass for everything now. All right. You done? Or is, that, is there more? <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. I feel like I got hit by a train over here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Christina, you know, going around this, this circle or this square. Uh, yeah. You know, final thoughts. This was a very unique film. As someone who loves colors and cinematography, I it's it's I just I just couldn't believe how aesthetically beautiful this film was, and the fact that I'm kind of dr like dressed appropriately for like the look like, well Conan and myself are, you, but then again he and I we kind of follow the theme of films when we dress up for the most part, but uh, yeah Frankie also agrees he's driving me nuts he loved the film too, he was like ooh colors I like colors. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend this film. I'm so glad that I did not get a mix up with Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Dude, Although there it would have been a different movie, I would be like, oh, fuck. It, it was, I, I allowed one Fast and Furious related letterbox one liner because there were so many Fast many. and I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Come on, you need to up your game, letterbox. But anyway. <laughs> uh, you know. Too much, too color is the uh, is the, is the <laughs> nice. Well done, well done. Um, but uh, yeah, Conan, let's let's hear some final. Yeah, thoughts. 
Uh, I mean, cool cinematography. Um, you know, like I, I, I tend to like it more now that I know like a little bit more about it and like what, like the things about it. Uh, some of the decisions make more sense, and the things that do not make any sense at all, in fact, make more sense. Uh, undeniably cool, like cool movie. And yeah. I and I use my words very carefully when when I say that. So cool movie, and and you explores a side of noir that um, may not be the thing that people first think of, but uh, also as utilized many times over in other mediums uh, to evoke similar feel. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. All right, um, my final thoughts are: I owe you for saving me, bro but I hate guys with no sense of duty.